Sepsis, or the infection causing sepsis, starts before a patient goes to the hospital in nearly 87% of cases. Sepsis is a medical emergency. If you or your loved one has an infection that's not getting better or is getting worse, act fast. Get medical care immediately. Ask your healthcare professional, could this infection be leading to sepsis? And if you should go to the emergency room, learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 204 of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. Thanks for listening, I'm Chad Dotson. With me again this week, as he has been often this week, and I don't know that we have much to talk about today, but I thought we'd get together and talk a little bit about Cincinnati Reds baseball. And that's my buddy, Jason Linden. You doing all right today, Jason? I'm doing well, Chad. And I wonder, how did you ever do this without me? <laughs> well, I, I don't even, I don't remember ever doing it without you. Um, Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I, ho- I hope that none of the other people that have been on with me are listening. But of course, we know, we know that no one's listening to us. No, no one's listening. <laughs> right. So, um, I don't know. N- not much to talk about. I don't... No, nothing happened in the world of the Reds today, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, no, wait a minute here. I'm just looking at tw- Twitter. It looks like something did happen. Oh, do you hear the Reds fired their manager? You know, I do seem to recall hearing <laughs> something about that. Well, you know, people think writing and, and talking about the Reds all the time is probably, uh, you know, oh, they've ter- been terrible the last few years. It's got to be hard, but man, there's never a dull moment with this organization. I mean, really, do you know what I'm, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no, there's always something going on. Like, Especially the last few years, somebody's coming up or somebody's going down or somebody's grumpy or, you know, the fan base is grumpy about this or about that. And yeah, no, it never, uh, it never slows down. Never, ever, ever. So the Reds are what? Three and 15. Is that right? Three and 14. Yeah, that's right. Let's not leave with that one. Come on. Everybody's (laughs) clicking off their uh, podcast machines now. Um, and they announced today that uh, the Reds announced they're replacing manager Brian Price and pitching coach Mac Jenkins. And uh, bench coach Jim Riggleman is going to take over as interim manager. Pat Kelly, who's been uh, who's Pensacola's manager in AA, and this year moved to Louisville, going to take over as bench coach in the majors, and they're bringing Danny Darwin up. They, they say Danny Darwin's going to be – he was the pens- pitching coach in Pensacola. Pitching coach, I think, in Texas for a while. Um, they say he's major league staff. I don't know if that means he's going to be in the bullpen and, and Ted Power is going to become pitching coach or what. But either way, he's those guys are coming in. Brian Price, Mac Jenkins are out. Do you have any just sort of brief thoughts about uh, about the firing? I mean, I think we all saw this coming from you know several interstate exits away. It was inevitable. Yeah, it was going to happen, and it's you know. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm not Brian Price's biggest like fan. I don't think he's the greatest manager in the world or anything. But also, like, eh, it's not really his fault. <laughs> like, 
You yeah, can't. I've, I, got, two, I can't. I've got opposing views points on it that I can't reconcile, and I think this is where you're going. And let me see if it is. Um, I think he probably deserved to be fired. He's not a very good manager. But in the flip side is, in no way, in no way is this mess we're in. Well, in a very, very tiny way. It's not even mostly Brian Price's fault. So he's kind of a scapegoat. Uh, but on the other hand, he didn't do a whole lot to make me feel like he should keep his job, I guess. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those like, okay, well, he probably, yeah, like you said, he probably deserved it, but it's, you know, uh, it's, I'm not quite this grim, but it's the best metaphor available to me. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's trying to fix a stab wound with a Band-Aid. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, it kind of feels like a stab wound some of these nights uh, with this team as much as we care too much about the Reds. But, you know, you can't really say a whole lot in defense of Brian Price, even though I will concede a couple of years ago I did write a, a piece for Cincinnati Magazine that was named, that was headlined, In Defense of Brian Price. I'm trying to see if they'll kick that one down the memory hole, get rid of that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and and also, uh, since, I'm, since I'm calling myself out, uh, I don't know, probably six years ago, seven years ago, I wrote a piece for ESPN called In Defense of Dusty Baker. So my In Defense of Jim Riggleman piece will be coming up here in about two months. Looking forward to it. <laughs> no, that was um, So, I mean, frankly, Dusty Baker has a lot more to recommend than, like, history-wise. History mm-hmm. um, sure, lots of wins. Lots of playoff he's appearances. Lot of baseball games. Gotten fired a whole lot, but he's won a whole lot of baseball games. He wears that as welcome, and I didn't didn't know that we were going to go into the Dusty Baker talk, but I, I think we do need to say just about Dusty. He he got he gets a bad rap, and he's earned a bad rap in a lot of ways. But yeah. on, on the other hand, with him, he was one of the worst in-game managers I've ever seen. He, he was appallingly yeah. terrible. I mean, he was awful. But, and this is what I've always tried to keep in mind, there's so much to a manager's job that we can't see. And I'm perfectly willing to believe that Dusty Baker was really good at the stuff in the clubhouse. Because, you know, he seemed to win in the regular season everywhere he went. But then yeah. in the postseason, when things became important, the in-game moves became important, he was just out of his element. Yeah. Do you see Brian Price similarly at all? I mean, uh, I, I mean, who's to tell? Because right. Brian Price had such crap rosters pretty much the entire time he was a manager. You know, there's just nothing to say about it. Like, I just don't, I don't even know. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, uh, t- it's tough to judge him. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he went two, 279 and 387. We can judge him on that, but how much yeah. of that's his fault? It matters to me that, like, Votto came out and defended him. Joey Votto? Uh, you like that guy? I do like that guy. Yeah, me too. They didn't, uh, they didn't fire him, did they? No, oh, unfortunately. Uh, let's be real, and I love Joey Votto. I don't think anyone doubts that or should doubt it, but he's more <laughs> responsible for uh, the Reds' record right now than Brian Price is. Oh, that's true. That's absolutely true, and no one can question our bona fides when it comes to Joey Votto admiration. Yeah. Uh, I'm the president of the fan club and a fully paid member. Brian yeah. Price, you know, I guess I could believe, and, and that's a one data point that Votto defended him. I can believe that he does a good job at the whatever percentage of the job as a manager takes place out of the public eye. It, yeah, it's tough to tough to really gauge that. With with Dusty Baker, you could kind of say, well, there's got to be a reason why his teams keep winning. You know, he must be doing something right. Players are playing hard for him. They're playing, you know, fundamentally well or whatever. Uh, and you could figure out why he was, was, wasn't working in the play. His voodoo didn't work in the playoffs. 
because yeah. of the, the in-game managing stuff. Brian Price's in-game management, he showed me flashes over the four and a half years that he might be outside the box. He was but, a better in-game manager than Dusty. Oh I'll say that. But that's, that's called damning with faint praise there. That's what that is. <laughs> but it, what you said about his roster is, who knows? Who knows how he did, does it the rest of it because he's just not had the players. He, I mean, you know, he just hasn't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially the pitching staffs. I mean, <laughs> really? It's not all. Like, I just, I can't blame him for that. Um, no, no. And, and although that's what everyone wants to say, yeah. you know, he was a pitching coach. Oh, come on. Um, but, but the flip side of that is I'm not going to go out of my way to defend this guy because, you know, just playing Cliff Pennington and, and Phil Goslin, who seem like nice enough guys, but playing them over young guys or pitching Giovanni Gallardo in crucial situations, those are just uh, sort of symptoms oh, of a larger problem. Inexcusable. I just almost used a very family and friendly word for the podcast. <laughs> it's just because that, like, Gallardo, come on. <laughs> that's That's just... I mean, that's Little League manager stuff. You ought to know better than that. If, if I know better, a Major League manager should know better because I don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, you know who would be better than uh, Giovanni Gardo in any of those situations that he pitched? Uh, anyone else? Uh, well, but someone in particular I'm thinking of. You may remember this guy. He pitched for the Reds last year. Oh, yeah. What was it? Um, What's that guy's name? Lisa. Lisa. Lisa Bonet. Uh, Liz Alberto Bornia. <laughs> That's the lamest running gag we have on this uh, podcast, and there's plenty lame about this podcast. But I'm not going to stop. You can't. You can't. It's true. Stop. Oh, he would be much better than <laughs> he would. We're joking, uh, but it's but just, we're not joking. <laughs> but we're not. I mean, he really would have been better. I don't want him to be on this team now, other than it'd be fun to say his name. But um, but I'm saying his name anyway. And he's been gone from the Reds for six months. So, yeah. so yeah, it's really tough. Brian Price, two seventy nine, three eighty seven, his record. It's really tough to defend him. Just the the bullpen and the lineup decisions, and just I don't believe at this point that he is a. I don't believe he's an above average major league manager. Yeah, I think that we have plenty of data to to say that. And but but again, three and fifteen or whatever they are, three and thirty, three and ninety. <sighs> Partly his fault, but you know, not even he's you know not maybe not even the top. Maybe he's probably the top ten of reasons why, but he's not near the top. No, he's like yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I just to me the fault pretty much always lies with management. <laughs> it's just me, like, and by management I mean the ownership. Yeah, I mean, uh, he can only play the cards that he's dealt, and yeah. But, but now he the cards that he's dealt, he didn't play them very well, as we're saying. But you know, giving uh, giving a, a Phil Goslin or a Giovanni Gallardo to Brian Price, like giving you know uh, heroin to a to a junkie, you know. Yeah. I mean, he just couldn't help himself. Well, he's like he's going to play those guys. Dusty Baker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Giving Corey yeah. Patterson to Dusty Baker. Uh, he just. That's that's on management. <laughs> Brian, there's a lot of data to tell you that Brian Price is going to play, you know, that veteran guy. Not and and, and I wonder how much of this. And I, I don't. I wonder if you have an opinion on this firing. 
how much of it, we sort of talked a little bit at Red Lake Nation earlier in the day about the disconnect between the front office and the manager and whether management was unhappy with him, you know, playing some of these guys instead of, say, an Alex Blandino. Um, and yeah. I, I, I don't know I, what I'm worried about. Let me just say it this way. What I'm worried about is there was no disconnect. Dick Williams gave him those guys. Yeah, Dick Williams signed Giovanni Gallardo. That worries me, and I love Dick Williams. He's been nice to me, and uh, he's been on the podcast. And since I've criticized him the last uh, week or two, he may never come back again. But, you know, uh, I think he, by and large, has done a good job. But what are they seeing to sign a guy like Giovanni Gallardo? I mean, that's it just yeah. it, it boggles the mind. And so I don't know if there's a disconnect. It is an interesting point you make, though, because Price was hired under the previous administration, so to speak. Um, right. And, you know, so so there is that, like, he's not sort of like Dick Williams' guy or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, I. But, again, here's the thing, like, Brian Price doesn't set the roster, right? So why are Pennington and Gosselin both on the roster in the first place? Right. Why are you giving them to him? Like, unless, I just, it doesn't make, like, there are a couple of little things about the roster that just make zero sense to me whatsoever. I just can't connect the dots on them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we will see, but we will see, but... Hopefully, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Riggleman's <laughs> an interim guy. He's not going to be around next year. No, Riggleman's not going to be around. He's not even worth really discussing much. But uh, no. back to, to Pennington and Goslin and Gallardo, what really bothers me is I think those guys being on the opening day roster put the lie to the idea that the Reds really were serious about taking a huge step forward this year or using this year as a time to let the young guys uh, get their feet wet. When they had those guys on the roster, and then when Suarez goes down and they don't call up Senzel, they do call up Blandino and don't play him, to me that showed me that they're they're not serious about this being the year in the rebuild when they turn the corner. Not playing Blandino is just – and that's – I mean, that is on price, but that is completely inexcusable. Completely. Like, I get if you think he might have the potential to be maybe an everyday player, you keep him at AAA and he's playing every day and, you know, because he's not going to play over any of the guys from Cincinnati right now. Okay, fine. But when somebody gets hurt and you call him up, you play him every day. And every day. Yes. Yeah, even if you don't think that he's going to be a, a major league uh, regular, sort of a super utility guy or something, you know, yeah. that can play all around the infield, even if that's what you think he is, he's 25. When is there, and that's why this was my argument for bringing up Senzel. When will there ever be lower pressure at bats, a lower pressure chance to get experience in the big leagues than this year when there are no expectations beyond, well, maybe we can win a few more games than last year? I mean, it's just, yeah. The, yes, it's, it's Brian Price's fault for not playing him. Uh, and, and maybe. Brian Price not playing him was part of the reason why he was fired. I think he was fired just because the Reds had to look like they were doing something, to be honest. That's what I think, too. I think it's, it's look, we're trying, look, we're trying, look, we're trying. Yeah, I mean, I, he, again, I think he probably, I don't, I don't ever want to wish 
anyone to lose their job price you know he's i've never had any uh, experience with him he's been rude to some people i know but he's also been a you know a sort of loyal uh employee of this organization for a while and i don't ever want to wish anyone to lose their job mac jenkins has been on the podcast nice guy um so you know i wish him the best of luck but i can see why brian price is gone but come on, you, the way you put it as using a Band-Aid on a stab wound, I just think it's 100% at this point PR. Brian Price is sort of, you know, who we knew he was. And yeah. if they didn't think, if if Dick Williams wanted him to play Alex Blandino and Brian Price wasn't playing him, uh, he should have known before the season that that was going to happen, that that disconnect was going to be there. Because what else was there to learn about Brian Price? Yeah. So I just think... We're, 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 you know, already nine games out of first place after three weeks. We got, we got to do something because the natives are restless. And to me, that's a little bit, I don't know what the word is. Uh, it just, I don't know. It sort of bothers me. They think that the masses will be tamped down by, hey, we're doing something. Lisa. Yeah. Um, well, did you see the comments from Dick Williams today? Uh, no, I've been kind of out of the loop today. I've been, I've been kind of all over the place. So, uh, so fill me in a little bit. Well, if you were reading redlegnation.com, where you, you know, write all the time. I, you, I do. It's been a busy <laughs> day, Chadwick. It's been a busy day. But it's been busy for me as well. Um, and I'm catch, playing a little bit of catch up as well. But, uh, evidently Dick Williams said uh, something to the effect of, uh, I'm going to, maybe paraphrase a little bit, but this is pretty close to a direct quote. We're going to hit the ground running uh, tomorrow with Jim, Jim Riggleman, and a couple new members of the staff in place. And, and here's what got me. Guys need to have a sense of urgency now. We have a great group of guys, but we cannot let them be comfortable with this kind of start. Now, what do you hear there? Guys need to have a sense of urgency now. Uh, we, it we, sounds to me like you start hitting or expect to see yourself not starting. Does anybody believe that's the case? And why wasn't that the case three weeks ago? Why wasn't there a sense of urgency three weeks ago that we have to turn this thing around? Or was yeah. there, and it's just not been visible? You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's hard to say because, man, I don't know. You know, the start of a season, whatever, you go through the first week, um, and and you kind of and you kind of see what happens, I guess, but. I don't, I man, I don't know. I what I don't I'll tell you this, what I don't want them doing is making a decision about an individual player based on three weeks, because that's stupid. Did you just tweet, Jason? I did just tweet. <laughs> well, how, I want you to read this tweet because frankly it delights me. Uh what I just tweeted was <laughs> I'm liking I hope it. The as wriggle speak. out of their current funk. Hope the Reds can wriggle out of their current funk. Oh my gosh. Jim Riggleman uh, humor. Especially as long as the Reds are bad, I'm just going to make terrible puns. <laughs> Whatever helps us get through the night, Jace. On Twitter, yes. Oh, my um, goodness. <laughs> yeah. No, like, don't judge players on three weeks. No, that's stupid. Like, they, if, you're, if you are finally convinced that, for instance, Jose Peraza is never going to get it in terms of plate approach, whatever, all right, fine, he's a utility guy. But if you're saying these three weeks are what approved that to you, then I'm sorry, you're not qualified to make baseball decisions. <laughs> and guys need to have a sense of urgency now. I mean, hey, look, we fired, we fired your leader. You, be, you know, you better be urgent now. 
I don't care what happened up to na- up to now. I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't. I mean, I'm not very smart. I know that, but I don't know. It, it, it just looks like to me. I'm we're papering over some serious fundamental flaws in this yeah. rebuild. Um, I think that uh, our buddy Joel Luckup said uh, on Twitter earlier today that you know if there's a problem with the rebuild, it's probably not Dick Williams. It's probably the fact they screwed up 2014 and 2015 before he took over. And I'm yeah. I'm willing to believe that, although I'm not happy with what's happening this year either. But I'm not pinning it on Dick Williams. But uh, guys need to have a sense of urgency now. I mean, I just don't know what to make of it. Um, and we talk we talk about 2014, 2015. A minute ago, you said that you know you talked about how Dick Williams wasn't uh, uh, fully responsible because he just just got here, you know, 18 months ago or whatever. Did you see who? went to speak to Brian Price and uh, Mac Jenkins. Walt Jockety went with Dick Williams, held his oh, hand, held his hand to uh, deliver the news. Interesting. I don't know. They're probably not interesting, but it's, it's a fact. So um, the other thing that they said was uh, that uh, it's premature to set a time to, and this was encouraging. We've sort of mocked a little bit, but this was an encouraging thing. It's premature to set a timetable for finding a permanent manager. We'll be undergoing a thorough and exhaustive process. It makes more sense to do that towards the end of the season in order to consider external candidates. That's encouraging to me because when Price was hired, they didn't look at anyone outside the organization. Um, Barry Larkin is campaigning for it from within the organization. So the fact they intend to conduct a serious search, or at least they're saying they're going to, that is encouraging to me. Do you, you feel the same way? Yeah, I would like them to look all over. And I'm not it's not saying that I think Larkin would necessarily be a bad choice, but um I don't know is, right. is the answer. Yeah, no, listen. But, Larkin's my favorite player. Um certainly. He's he's my favorite player and um you know, if they do a a thorough and exhaustive search as they say and he turns out to be the best candidate, and hey, I got no reason to believe that he won't be the best candidate. What you know, what do I know? Again, if he's the best candidate, great. I want you to hire the best candidate regardless of whether his name is Larkin or whether his name is Smith or Linden. Hire me. Oh, man. I w- you know, I would hire you. It would be a terrible hire. But, man, that would be the most fun six weeks we ever had. It would be a good time. Yeah, until you got fired. Until well, I got fired, yeah. I'm just saying you're going to get fired in six weeks if you're the Reds manager. Well, I mean, in fairness, in fairness... I do deal with like 150 teenagers every day. It can't be that much different than baseball players. It's kind of similar. Now that you mention it, that's a good point. Um, someone said, "Hey, you should uh, you should put in your application for it." I was like, "Listen, you know, I, could, I, th- I do think that I could make the moves correctly in game. In most instances, everything else about that job, I don't even have what you have with dealing with teenagers, but everything else about that job, I would be just ridiculously unprepared for." Uh, yeah. Because there is so much more than just deciding when to, when not to bunt and uh, when and that, to bring in a yeah, relief pitcher. Such an important aspect that the people and I know we've talked about it before. But people just forget it that like it's really a lot about making decisions behind the scenes and keeping everybody happy and all of that kind of stuff. So Brian Price and Mac Jenkins are scapegoats. Uh, is it is that fair or unfair? What do you think, Chad? I think it's, I think it's not fair. 
I don't think they're scapegoats. I think it's a PR move, but yeah. I think, as I've said, but, you know, Dick Williams used the term scapegoat. He didn't want them to be a scapegoat. That's the reason I brought it up. Um, yeah. But I don't think they are scapegoats. Maybe Mac Jenkins, but uh, I, I think Brian Price sort of earned it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would have fired him now, I, but uh, I can't get worked you know, up over it. I will say this. I think with with the pitching, I think it's reasonable to start thinking about issues with the pitching co- the, the coaching yeah. staff. Maybe. Maybe. A lot of high-end talent, and a lot of it has not panned out. And it's, I mean, it is literally the job of the coaches to make the talent pan out. That's what coaches are there for. That's an interesting point. And if you get to a point where, you know, your top three or four starting pitching prospects haven't panned out like they're supposed to, you start looking at your coaches. You know, before last season, you and I, I'm sure we could go back and dig it up in the archives. Uh, multiple times had this conversation. There's so many talented young arms here. Some of them are going to pan out. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, the Reds couldn't help but stumble into a good rotation because, you know, they only had to get a few of these guys to pan out. And you're right. I mean, there are no unqualified successes amongst the group that came up through the Reds organization. Maybe Tyler Malley. The yeah, maybe Tyler Malley. Uh, the only unqualified success right now is Castillo, and he he was with the Marlins for most of his development. Right. Yeah, we can't take a whole lot. Of, the Reds can't take a whole lot of credit for him. So. Yeah. Uh, and the other ones have warts, uh, you know. So, and I'm not really willing to give up on just about any of them. But um, that's an interesting point that I hadn't really considered uh, that much. So maybe Mac Jenkins. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, it does say something, I suppose, that, you know, I think I think you would agree with the – I mean, the bullpen obviously has had issues, but there have been injuries there. The starting pitching really has not been bad since the beginning of the season. Um, there have been bumps here and there along the road, but nothing – you know, it's, it's looked, I think, encouraging. But it's the pitching coach who got fired and not the hitting coach. Right. And that, that at least shows perhaps a little bit of a, a, of a long view – or something along those lines. Because if you were being purely reactionary, That's you true. would like fire the hitting staff because you know, Reds can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag right now. Yeah, that would be a scapegoat. Yeah. yeah if you fired Don, hitting coach Don Long based on how they performed in the first, you know, eighteen games. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point, Jason. You finally, after all these uh, times on the podcast, you made it. You made an excellent point. You knew my day would come. <laughs> um. And I agree. I think the starting pitching, the numbers are probably not going to look great. But, man, I, I've got no issues with where the Reds are with starting pitching right now, uh, except for the health of, of Di Sclafani. But yeah. um, I think everyone else has shown flashes of brilliance and, and on occasion, actual brilliance. And uh, I'm pretty happy with that. And even the bullpen. Um, again, not to mention Joel Luckup because I really hate that guy. But he had a, a tweet today that really I had no idea. But when you think about it, it makes sense. The Reds' bullpen ERA so far this year is like, and I'm going to paraphrase him. Go find Joel Luckup's Twitter feed if you want to be annoyed every day. But uh, I follow him for some reason. And he said the Reds' bullpen had a, like a five-and-a-half ERA so far this year, which is, you know, I don't know, the worst in the majors or something. It's not good. Yeah. But if you eliminate Giovanni Gallardo um, and then the, the two guys that made their major league debuts this year, Zach Weiss and Tanner Rainey, and I think both those guys have a chance to still be – 
I'm, I'm yeah. not. They're a different category from Giovanni right. Gallardo. We're not, we're not saying bad things about them. We're just, yeah. Right. They had very rough beginnings to their major league career in their first appearances. But if you take those three guys out, that five and a half ERA drops down to like two and a half. And we're only talking out of those three guys four point one innings, four and a third innings pitched. So you eliminate those four and a third innings pitched from that bullpen. The rest of the bullpen's in pretty good. So that makes me think. Okay, and we're going to get, hopefully, Lorenzen back at some point. Who knows? But uh, David Hernandez is ready to come back. Um, and the rest of the bullpen is not in bad shape. So, encouraged by the pitchers, encouraged by the bullpen. The hitting is going to come around. Shebler's going to be back this week. Suarez, yeah. they say, within uh, is, is doing well within a month. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the reason I bring all this up is, Jason, I want to know, has your opinion, and we had some very optimistic discussions before the season about this team, has your opinion about the Reds changed? At- I mean, not, not substantively. I mean, obviously starting like this reduces the win expectation for the end of the season, um, just because it has to. But no, I mean, I still think that they are um, a pretty solid baseball team. I mean, I don't think they're – I still don't think they're terrible. I just don't. I think they've had – some hiccups, I think, you know, that you, we can say they played in atrocious weather or whatever. Like, and I think some players who are bound to regress have regressed. But, no, I think at the end of the year, you know, what you're going to find is probably that the Reds need to go out and sign an outfielder and sign a middle infielder, and then you're feeling pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous to say they've got the worst record in the majors, and they have looked embarrassing, embarrassingly bad for most of this season. I still don't feel like they're that far away. I want to get upset with the rebuild, and I am with the way some aspects of it are being conducted, but I don't know. I just I still feel like this is a team, get a little bit of health, Yeah, that they could be that 500 team that we all sort of, that you and I, not all, you and I sort of talked about before. A 500 team the rest of the way is going to mean they're going to end up 10 or 12 games under 500 if they're 500 the rest of the way. But yeah. uh, if they're 500 from this point on, I'm going to be seriously encouraged going into next oh, season. Absolutely. I mean, whether they can do that or not, I don't know. And, and here's the what's going to – if they do that, Jim Riggleman's going to get all kinds of credit when, yes. they, when they probably would have done that with Brian Price. Probably, probably. Maybe. You never know. They could have just wriggled their way out. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. You beautiful son of a gun. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up with the puns. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, the, the other side is maybe Riggleman does something or maybe this firing does something mentally that really motivates him a little bit. I, you know, you never know. It's, it's I mean, all mental. More games than they're losing. It's like it's it would be unheard of in modern baseball. <laughs> like, right. They have the worst record in the history of baseball. If they don't play better. Yeah. They're going to play better. They're better than this. One assumes they must be. But I, here, let me. There, there were three things before the season that caused me to have a little bit of optimism. And pretty much I'm encouraged, even though they've played awful. I, I still feel pretty good about most of these. Uh, number one, I thought they'd give starts to the young pitchers rather than the, the also rans that we've seen the last few years, including. Yeah. Um, I thought that would happen, and that has happened. They've not been great, the young pitchers, but it's happened. I thought the offense would continue to perform roughly as it did last year. That has not happened. 
No. But I still think it. I still think it will. I, I'm, I think so. Do you want to hear some terrifying math that I just did? Oh, I was told there would be no math. There's some math. All right, let's hear it. I just figured out if they kept their current pace for the year. Do you want to know what their record would be at the end of the year? I really and truly do not. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Lay it on me, Jace. This is in a full 162-game season at their current pace. They would be, (laughs) at the end of the year, 27 and 135. Oh, my gosh. 135 losses. I mean, and that that is impossible. And everybody who's ever paid any attention to baseball has to know that that's impossible. It's not going to happen. It it would have happened before if that was you know, yeah, if that were going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen with this team who are like, let's be real. Though they are imperfect, they are not the Cleveland Spiders. Uh, that's exactly the team I was going. to... Oh, we're on the same wavelength. I love it. The Cleveland not- Spiders. <laughs> two Mets or whatever like you know right I'm, I'm perfectly willing to believe that they're not you know they're a below average team yeah but, but there's a difference between that just a roughly below average and historically inept team we've looked like it you know who you know who they're also not who are they also not 2018 Marlins so they're not even the worst team in the league this year Yes, I will bet you. I will bet. I would bet money right now that they finish with a better record than the Marlins. I don't even know what the Marlins' record is right now, but the Reds will finish with a better record than the Marlins. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. But are the Reds going to be able to avoid ninety losses now? Yes. If if my yes, if my math is correct, and it rarely is, I didn't go to math school. If they go five hundred the rest of the way, I think they're going to. Lose eighty eight, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think they may have. I think that they may stumble into ninety losses this year, while playing even, even if they play roughly five hundred, they're gonna be close to ninety losses. Um, and it's gonna be attributable to the just this really horrific start. Even if they play pretty well the rest of the way, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm still not willing to say they're gonna lose ninety. No, I'm not either. I still think they're gonna make the playoffs. My, here, this is my entire baseball philosophy. I tweeted this at some point, which is that this is how to be a baseball fan, everybody listening. One, be optimistic about the season at least until May, at which point you may either A, continue to be optimistic about the current season, or B, start being optimistic about next season. That's, that's the only way to maintain your sanity while following uh, any baseball team. I, You know, I just... and. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think maybe just off the record, but I'm just going to say it. I, there are people out there, and if you're one of them, I'm talking to you. Oh, happy when the Reds win. I understand not being happy when they lose, but there are people out there, and you know they're out there, that seem to always hate their team unless they win like the championship in whatever sport they're following, and that's just a terrible way to be a fan. Like You can never be happy. Yeah, why are you here? Go collect stamps. <laughs> I got to say this at one time. First of all, you and I have to, uh, as much time as we've been writing and thinking about the Reds. I mean, we, we're, we, we've spent time in our lives obsessed with this organization. 
And there have been yeah. times when I took it really, really seriously. And I still take it seriously. We spend a lot of our free time, you know, thinking and talking and writing and, you know, examining this club. But I decided a few years ago, it was during that stretch where the Reds had like, I don't know, 30 straight seasons where they were awful, the uh, Jimmy Haynes years. And I just decided, you know what? If baseball, I don't have to be happy when the Reds lose or when they're bad. But it doesn't have to affect in my life. Why can't baseball be a diversion like anything else I do? Where if it's fun, great. If it's not so good, well, whatever. It's just baseball. And I've I sort of changed the way I look at, at, at the Reds that way. I don't care about them any less. But I just decided, it this, what's the point in letting it uh, drag you down, I guess? It's supposed to be fun. And that's why we, you and I are both generally optimistic. And if that doesn't happen, well... Yeah, let's be just, optimistic I, about next year. Right. This this season has been terrible so far. I'm not claiming otherwise. I'm not happy with managerial decisions. I'm not particularly happy with the current construction of the roster. I've got issues, but when it comes down to it, I just want to watch baseball and enjoy it. You don't want to get hashtag mad online. I do not want to get hashtag mad online. Well, what's the point? Why, why? So I, it's not my job. Up. Hashtag mad online at people who get to hashtag mad online. Well, I, I get it. But if I'm Dick Williams and things are going bad, I may be throwing things in the office and upset and figuring, trying to figure out how we change this thing. For me, yeah. you know, I like watching the Reds at night. I like watching it more when they win. But whatever, my life has not changed. If are the, you saying, Chad, are you saying that winning is better than losing? <laughs> it's much better. And if we're going to talk about uh, traffic numbers at redlegnation.com, Winning would be better than losing. If we're going to talk about how many books I'm moving right now, it would help if the Reds were good. But although I've been very gratified by the response to the Big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds by Chad Dotson. Oh, that's right. You wrote a book. I thought you were just changing houses because you talked about all the books you were moving. Exactly. I thought maybe that like a winning Reds game would be easier to listen to while you were packing. The truth of the matter is um, I got rid of all my other books and all my shelves are lined just with the Big 50. The men and moments that made sense. (laughs) That's actually the only copies that have been sold. It's just me buying them up. (laughs) I knew you had quite the ego, but I didn't know it stretched to these. I I really did try to talk my wife into letting me fill one of our bookshelves up with just the big 50. (laughs) And she, I thought she was going to slap me. She didn't like that. Response, Chad's wife. Yeah, she didn't like that idea. Um, But here's what I'm going to say, and and I suggested this. uh, I was on with Lance McAllister last night. And uh, I said, listen, what's going to happen is in the second edition, we're going to have to have a 51st chapter to cover the 2018 Cincinnati Reds who are still going to make the playoffs. It's going to be a historic comeback from this awful start. They're going to make the playoffs. And we're just going to have to do an updated version. We the wild card and then power on to the World Series. Power on to the World Series. Smack around the Houston Astros or the New York Yankees in the World Series and uh, get that elusive championship we've been waiting for for all these many years. You think so? I think so. I think it's coming. <laughs> Jason, you're a liar. You're nothing but a thief, a liar, and the truth's not in you. Well, that might be true. I heard a sixth grade teacher tell somebody that one day. That wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> not very nice. Was it you? <laughs> it was not me. I was in the classroom when that happened, and I've never forgotten it to this day. I still remember that sixth grade teacher saying, you're a thief, a liar, and the truth's not in you. Is that the way you t- talk to your students, Jason? Uh, not in a serious fashion, no. <laughs> good, good, good. 
So, okay. We're, we're resetting the Reds' season right now. There's no reason that the Reds can't be a 500 team the rest of the way. I really, truly believe that. I haven't changed my opinion about this team just because of 18 games. Um, I may have changed my opinion about well, how serious the front office is about putting the best 25 guys on the, the field at any given time. Yeah. And that worries me. That's something you just mentioned, roster construction. But I still think overall, decent core here. The young pitchers are pitching. I don't know. The hitters, Joey Votto's not going to hit this awful forever. No. Joey Votto's good at baseball. He's very good at baseball. You know, and he's been heating up a little bit lately, frankly. You can tell it from his plate approach, too. Oh, yeah. In the uh, the last two games against uh, Milwaukee, both of which the Reds lost. Um, yeah, you can tell. He's getting locked into the plate, and he's walking always. But he's, he's yeah. he finally got an extra base hit, and he just looks more like Joey Votto at the plate. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Joey Votto. You know things are about to go well whenever Joey Votto just spits at a close pitch. Right. Which he's done a couple of times recently. Hey, you know who's drawing a lot of walks this year? Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton. What about that? I know. It's early, but is it possible that, I mean, he's not going to be a, the guy we hoped he would be necessarily, but is it possible that he really has learned how to get on base a little bit more anyway? Let me tell you something. If Billy Hamilton were to keep up, and I don't necessarily think he will, his current walk rate, he would absolutely end up being the guy that we always hoped he was going to be because his, you know, his batting average is just a, a function of bad luck at the moment. Yeah. I know he's... I don't have his numbers in front of me. The other day he was hitting 170-something, but his on-base percentage was 319. Or something. I'm like, yeah. Billy Hamilton? Yeah. So if Billy Hamilton can just walk a little more, he's valuable. Um, and he's a guy that you can have you can have on the roster. I mean, if Billy, he's walking like 13% of the time right now. If he hits like 250, which is what he's hit roughly throughout his career – then he's he should be the leadoff hitter then. And I can't believe I hear myself saying that, but it's true. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous to hear you saying it, but yeah. at that but point, the numbers yeah, start making assuming sense. he effectively doubles his walk rate over what it's been over the course of his career. Right, which is a Otherwise, thing to do at age 27. Yeah. Uh, the flip side of that is, you know, you and I spent some time talking in, uh, in the offseason and in the second half of last year about Jose Peraza. And, uh, you know, I expressed some optimism, some hope that the changes he made in his swing that were sort of well-publicized changes that caused his walk rate, walk rate, easy for me to say, to spike in the second half of last season. I thought, boy, if that, if that sticks, this guy is going to be a, you know, a, he could be a real contributor. And yeah. uh, the flip side of the Billy Hamilton coin is, ugh. Yeah. He's not walking. He's walking once, I think, this season. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. That's my analysis, Jason. Ooh. Yeah. That's my analysis, Chad. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's 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 the word you use? Uh blurg? Blarg? Blarg. Blarg. That's a pretty good analysis for Jose Parazza. Although yeah. can I say this? Yes. Over the last uh, week or so, I've become really optimistic about Parazza's ability to play shortstop defensively. Am I Easily. Really good, hasn't he? He has really made some plays. Early on, he was shaky. But he's made some plays recently. Again, this is all anecdotal. and This is just the eye test. I don't know what the numbers say, and I don't really care at this point in the season. It's too early to see. look at the defensive numbers. But he's made some plays that make me think, this guy, again, he's just like you know 16 years old. He could really develop into a real 
a real gem defensively shortstop. I just don't know if his bat's ever going to play enough for him to be able to stay in the lineup long enough to show us how great his defense is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I mean, you know, it's one of those, there is so much potential, but at some point you either realize your potential or not, yeah. but he's got the tools defensively. Yeah. If he could just draw, he definitely has the physical ability to be an excellent major league player, but you wonder how many uh, athletes in history, have had the physical tools to be a really good defensive shortstop in the big leagues, but couldn't ever play in the big leagues because they couldn't hit. It's part of it's part of the part of the job description. It, it is indeed, yeah, it really is, and it's. We'll see, you know, especially we live in an era now where people just they're just not as patient with players who don't hit. And you found that out with your Twitter polls there last week. I did. I did. Like I. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't. Ta- I don't know that we've talked about that, but people don't I care had, about defense, do they? No, I had Twitter create uh, a roster with uh, by by poll, and, and that team will hit. But oh my god, the, the other team <laughs> will never make an out. Oh, I know. It was it was it was stark. Yeah, uh, defense matters, folks. It does, and you know, for the everyone that loves Scooter, and I love Scooter because. The chapter in the Big Fifty, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, now available from Triumph Books at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and all your independent booksellers. This chapter on Scooter, and I loved it. But man, Scooter's brutal defensively. I mean, he's got to hit really well to justify having his glove at second base. I mean, the thing that, and I, I realize, of course, that defensive stats are are not as reliable, and the, and the, you know they they vary much more widely, but. You know, I don't think there is any doubt that if you asked the Reds as a whole, like Reds fans, rather, as a whole, you know, who is the better player right now, Adam Duvall or or Billy Hamilton? People would take Adam Duvall in a landslide, right? Sure, absolutely. With that? Yeah. Well, the combined seasons of 2016 and 2017 – According to Fangraphs, Adam Duvall was worth um, 4.3 wins above replacement in those two seasons. Would all, you care to guess st- how many wins above replacement Billy Hamilton was worth in those two seasons? Oh, probably negative six, if you believe what you read. Adam Duvall was an all-star. Yeah. Billy Hamilton in those two seasons was worth 4.3 wins above replacement. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. It really is. Uh, you know, and because defense matters and base running matters. And, you know, frankly, the primary difference, if we're being realistic, between Duvall and Hamilton is power. You know, um, Billy Hamilton's on base percentage is not substantially different from Adam Duvall's on base percentage. In fact, actually, I'm no, looking you're at right. Billy Hamilton's on base percentage combined 2016 and 17 was better than Adam Duvall's. <laughs> That's, I guess I knew that, but I I don't think I did until just yeah. this. Moment. I'm just looking at it and I'm like, wait How's a that minute, possible, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's Billy Hamilton in two six thousand sixteen was three twenty one, and then he was two ninety nine last year, and then um, Duvall in two thousand sixteen was two ninety seven, and he was three oh one last year. So Hamilton absolutely has had a better on-base percentage over the last two years than Adam Duvall has. But Duvall was an all-star, and he hits home runs. He does hit home runs. It's <sighs> true. 
I don't want to act like I'm criticizing Adam Duvall. He is what he is. Um, yeah. You know, I like the guy. He plays hard. You know, we could use that attitude a lot more with Hamilton, I think. I think so. I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, they both are who they are. They're not perfect players. You don't expect, I don't expect really, frankly, at this point, that either of them is going to be an essential part of the next competitive Reds team. Probably not. But one is not better than the other. They're very equivalent players. They just derive their value in radically different ways. Different different strengths. And, you know, I'm well, uh, I'm, I'm mocked far and wide for how much I like Billy Hamilton. I just, I like Billy Hamilton. I've been hopeful that he was going to, sort of learned how to get on base a little bit more often because I thought he was an all-star waiting to happen. And uh, it's not panned out. And okay, it is what it is. Billy Hamilton is who he is. But I'm telling you, I watched that guy play center field. And I know he can't get on base that 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 often. I know he has flaws in his game. Everyone knows. I watched that guy play center field. And then I see him batting ninth in the order. And I think, you know what? That's a guy that could be a valuable member of the team as well as he plays center field. Yeah. And as well as he runs bases, if you bat him ninth, he's that second leadoff hitter. And when he does ultimately get on base, you limit his at bats. But when he does get on base, he's, you know, he's amazing. I, I can squint and see him being a part of the next good Reds team, but I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay what's going to take. And I don't know if given holes in other parts of the lineup, whether they can handle a, a, a hole in center field as well. I guess yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I know. I, I, I'm with you and I agree. I mean, it's, yeah, I think Billy, I think at this point in, in among Reds fans in general, you know, Hamilton is very underrated and Duvall is very overrated. When they both, if they were properly rated would be considered guys that, you know, okay. They're okay. Yeah. You know, that's not a, that's not a criticism to say they're, they're they're okay. What they actually really are, based off of their like legit value, and let's let's go back to the days, you know, um, when you and I were younger, Chad, and teams some often only had like say six man bullpens. <laughs> back in the day, right? Billy Hamilton would have been your pinch runner, late inning defensive replacement, and Adam Duvall would have been your power off the bench, and neither of them would be starting on an ideal team. Yeah. It's true. Although, if you go back far enough, if you go far back enough, Billy Hamilton's the, uh, you know, Cesar Geronimo. He's the guy that, you you know, you can have in the lineup about eighth or ninth, and back in the day, but eighth, and he's so good defensively that you can justify having him. Uh, At least starting 60% of the time, the other percent of the time, he's a defensive replacement. He's a, you know, pinch hitter or pinch runner, whereas Duvall's a really good. I was hopeful that Shebler would grab that starting spot and that Duvall would be just a super fourth outfielder. Good yeah. def- good defensively, power off the bench. Love having him in a late-inning situation where you can pick and choose and have him pinch hit. Duvall could provide some value in that role. I don't know. What do I know, Jason? I think you know more than you give yourself credit for, frankly. Um, I think that anyone that reads anything I write would disagree with that wholeheartedly. I sometimes, every every once in a while, every six months or so, I read something you write. I appreciate that, Jason. I appreciate your loyalty. Throw, throw, throw a little bit your way. You know. <laughs> well, uh, that's about enough Cincinnati Reds for today, don't you think? I, I do. This team wears on you, but whatever. It's fun. It's fun. It is. Baseball is fun. Jason, our team is like 3-62 and 62 right now. And we're sitting here 
in our respective homes talking on a podcast and recording a conversation where we say it's fun. It is fun. There's something wrong with us. Probably. <laughs> Definitely. Um, here's my idea. Before we wrap things up, Jason, here's my idea. We've got right. to organize a, an outing for listeners of the Red Leg Nation radio podcast and for readers of redlegnation.com, and we're going to have us a book signing. Because we've been, we've been talking about the Big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds by me and Chris Garber. But what we're going to do is we're going to have me and Chris Garber, who've written for, who has been writing for Red Leg Nation for years, as well as the author of a, uh, a book called When the Sparrow Sings. You heard of that book? I have heard of that. Do you know the author? Uh, I don't know. Some two-bit hack, I think. <laughs> you live with the author. You're I, in his I, head. I very much am in his head, yes. That's that's my book, Chad, that I wrote uh, a few years ago there. Exactly. Go by When the Sparrow Sings by Jason Lennon. But we need to have an event where we're doing a book signing and meeting up with the listeners to the podcast and readers of Redignation. We've got to work on that this summer. What do you think? I'm in. That sounds like a good time. I think that'd be fun. I was thinking about that uh, this week. We're, we've got some some book signings for the Big 50 scheduled uh, this summer. We want, do want to try to do a Red Leg Nation slash Red Leg Nation radio uh, event. So let's start planning that. Uh, but in the meantime, let's watch the Reds win some more games. Yes, let's do that. Win games, Reds. Amen. All right. Uh, this is Red Leg Nation Radio, uh, episode number 204 of the world's greatest Cincinnati Reds podcast. Uh, Jason Linden is at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. You can follow us at Red Leg Nation. And then at Red Leg on Twitter and then at RedLegNation.com on the interwebs where we're writing about the Cincinnati Reds every single day, win or lose, mostly lose for the last 14 seasons. You can subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio. I really thank all of you for... I, say this and I feel like I don't say it enough thank you for listening thank you for downloading you have uh, plenty of options in this day and age for your entertainment time and I appreciate the fact that you take some time with us here at Red Lake Nation Radio uh, we have a good time and uh, you can uh, if you have questions for the podcast direct them to us on Twitter if you have questions you can email me at chaddotson at redlegnation.com and uh, you know drop by Red Lake Nation tell us what you think go leave us a rating and review at iTunes wherever, Stitcher, wherever you, you get our podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. It helps other people find us, and um, more people have been finding us every single week, for which we appreciate, even in this year where the Reds have been less than stellar. Jason, buddy, always good talking to you. Always glad to be here, Chad. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.